Hey family, it's Keisha. I'm the Community and Connection Pastor here at Upper Room Dallas. This weekend I spoke on the Sleeping Bride out of Song of Solomon chapter 5. Sometimes in our relationship with the Lord we find ourselves in a place of comfort or lack of desire towards Him. But the good news is He is always knocking at the door of our hearts, driven by desire to be with us. All we need to do is get up out of our comfortable place, open the door with no hesitation, and let him in. I hope this message awakens your heart towards deeper intimacy with him. Would you guys stand and honor Keisha as she comes? like Aaron <laughs> that's so good hey I just want to take a quick moment Excel mentioned it is he still in here oh yeah Excel Alexis any of our youth leaders that were at YouthX would you guys stand we just had YouthX they served yeah let's honor them They had over 280 students come in. I think over eight churches represented way out in the middle of nowhere. I went there one night, it was way out in the middle of nowhere. But one thing I will say, I walked in, and kid you not, right when I walked into the lobby, you could feel the glory of the Lord. And there were teenagers on the stage singing, People get ready, Jesus is coming. And just youth on their face crying out the Maranatha cry. And it was incredible. And I was only, I only was there for the morning session and a few games, but the power of the Lord and the presence of Abba Father showed up. And it is because of this team, the hearts that they carry for the young people here. If you're a youth and you were at YouthX, can you raise your hand? Yes. We love our youth. We love our youth. So, awesome. It was a beautiful time. Just wanted to honor them. Takes a lot. Takes a lot. If you're a parent of a teenager in here, then you know. And they are with our teenagers for five days straight, (laughs) morning, noon, and night. So, we honor you. Thank you, guys. Job well done. It was amazing. I'm very excited to be with you guys tonight. Well, I'm usually always here, but I'm excited to to just be here again. Um, So whenever, (laughs) sorry, I'm feeling a little giggly, so just bear with me. I like the joy of the Lord is here. His love is here. I mean, come on. He's just here with us. So I'm very excited for what he has for each and every one of us. When they... um, when Miller reached out about me ministering tonight, um, I was with a couple of friends and they were talking to me about it and one of them said, I really feel like you're just supposed to minister the message of your heart. And I knew in that moment (laughs) what the Lord wanted to share. I didn't exactly know how he was gonna lay it out. It's It's a message that I've ministered, but... I feel like it has such a unique fingerprint for each and every one of us in this room tonight. And it was interesting to me because after she said that, I remembered this message. I remembered this is the message of my heart. And it had been 13, it was the 13th birthday of Upper Room that month. And I went home And does anyone have the Time Hop app or am I just old and nobody uses that? There's a a little app called Time Hop and it kind of shows you like everything you've posted throughout the years. And um, on the same day, 13 years ago, I ministered this message and it was the very first message I ever preached. And I knew that the Lord was on that. (laughs) I was like, okay, God, I believe this is what you're wanting. He knew each and every one of you were gonna be here tonight. He knew who was gonna be in this room. Way back in April, he knew that you were supposed to be here. And for some of you, it was a struggle 
getting here, but you made it. And God has a word for you tonight. He has something for you tonight. So I wanna say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for not letting the traffic keep you away. Thank you for not letting the heat keep you away. Standing outside for hours in this horrible Texas sun, summer, it's terrible. But I really know that the Lord has something for you. And so I want you to put your hand on your heart. And we're just gonna pray that our hearts are open tonight to his love, to his call, to the word that he has. God, we say we are open. Come on, just tell him with your own mouth. I open my heart to your word tonight. I open my ears to hear you clearly. Lord, we receive everything you have for us tonight, that there would be nothing hindering us, that there would be nothing in our way, that there would be no distractions. We love you. Just tell him you love him. We love you. Thank you for your love that is here. Thank you for your love. Right, amen. All right, we're gonna jump into it. Who brought their Bible in here? Or your phone, whatever. <laughs> that counts too, I guess. So open your Bible or turn on your Bible to Song of Songs. That's where we're reading out of. Yes, Song of Solomon. I love Song of Solomon. I know there are a few, this can be a little bit of a controversial book and some people um, may not like it as much or may feel a little uncomfortable reading it, whatever it is. But one thing that I know is that God wanted us to have access to this book or he wouldn't have put it in his word, right? It wouldn't be in there if he didn't want us to have access to it and to read it and to get revelation from it right? So we love Song of Solomon. <laughs> we love it. And so we are going to be diving into it. It is, it is a book in the Bible to me that is the beautiful portrayal of Christ's love for his bride, no matter our flaws. It is a beautiful picture of his pursuit after us, no matter where we're at, no matter our insecurities, no matter our shame, no matter our embarrassment, it doesn't matter, he loves us. And this book is a beautiful picture of that. And so you better believe we're gonna be reading this book tonight. <laughs> so we're gonna go to Song of Songs chapter five, verse two. We're starting in verse two. I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, okay, yeah, yeah. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded, I have taken off my robe, should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet, should I get them soiled? My lover tried to unlatch the door, my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love and my hands dripped with perfume, my fingers dripped with myrrh as I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. The night watchmen found me as they made their rounds. They beat and bruised me and stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. Make this promise, O women of Jerusalem. If you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. <sighs> if you're a note taker in here, I, I am very, a, a very administrative person and I like to take notes. So if you're a note taker in here, then if you want to put a title to this, uh, it is called The Sleeping Bride. 
the sleeping bride. I want a little. I want to give a little context to Song of Solomon because there's some. There may be some people in here that don't have never read this book. You may not be aware of this. Sometimes we make the mistake of assuming that people know. I have a friend, one of my closest friends, who didn't come to the Lord until she was 16. And she would come to church and the, the minister would say, okay, we're gonna talk about Abraham. We all know the story of Abraham in here. And she would be like, actually, I don't know the story of Abraham in here. <laughs> so I don't wanna assume that everyone in here knows Song of Solomon. I'm just gonna give a little context to this book. It's a book of eight chapters. And the story has two main characters in it. The first being the Shulamite woman. The Shulamite woman had siblings. Anyone in here have siblings? Yeah, I have a couple of siblings in here tonight. I have my oldest sister right here, my beautiful niece. I have my bonus brother over there in the purple shirt. <laughs> I'm one of five, so I know what it's like having siblings. And the Shulamite had siblings who became very angry at her. Another thing that if you have siblings, we can all relate to, right? They became angry at her, and because of their anger, they put her out to be a laborer in the vineyard. And so she worked outside. And because of that, her appearance was not of one that was considered beautiful in that time for a woman because of what she had to do, because of what her siblings put her into. She did not look like a woman was supposed to look in that day. She was looked down upon and she was completely under their dominion. The second person in this story was the king, the chief among 10,000, <laughs> the most respected and looked up man in the city. Okay, so we have the Shulamite and we have the king. You following me? Awesome. So we have these two people in this story. And as you read through chapters one through four, you're gonna find out their beautiful love story of them falling in love during the first four chapters. So they fall in love. The king sees her in her flaws. Even though she's not considered beautiful, he still fell in love with her, right? It's a good story. You should read it if you haven't. So tonight, we're gonna break down these six verses that I just read out of chapter five and see what God is wanting to say to us. Is that cool? Awesome. I really need you guys to talk to me because <laughs> I'm an introvert and it's really hard for introverts to just to be up here and then nobody says anything to them. <laughs> so I need you to talk to me so that, so that I can keep talking. Okay, cool. So we're family in here, so I need you to talk back. So we're gonna look we're gonna start jumping into these verses and start breaking them down. So again, if you're taking notes, the first point I want to point out is that God is knocking and we are asleep. So if we look back at the start, in most versions, you're gonna see the start of verse two. She is saying, this is the Shulamite. This is the Shulamite, okay? She is saying, I slept, but my heart was awake. Now, some people say that in this, because of this phrase, that maybe she's in a state of having a dream about her lover, is what some people say. In Keisha's opinion, I think this phrase, I'm asleep, but my heart is awake, is because she's madly in love with someone. So if you've ever been in love, or is anyone in love in here? Not to Jesus, because we love Jesus, but <laughs> anybody in love? You've been in love, you're in love. Don't let this be the first time that you're telling someone you love them. Do not let this be the moment, or I will send you to the connect table to take our relationship classes. <laughs> this is not the time to, to confess that. <laughs> if you haven't said them to that, that's a private thing. But if you've been in love or you are in love, then you know, like we all know this phrase, we've heard it before, you're the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning and the last thing I think about when I go to bed, right? Has anyone heard that? 
just me. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so we know that when we are really in love with someone, we just want to be with them all the time. We're in like the start of this beautiful friendship that is now turned into a relationship and love begins to form. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're in that place and you know like, okay, they literally just left and then we're gonna have breakfast in the morning. So all I have to do is make sure I go to bed and then I get to see them again. But you're laying in bed and it's like you're falling asleep, but your heart is still awake because of the love that you have for them, right? So that's what I think is happening to the Shulamite in this moment. It says she's sleeping, but her heart is still awake because of the love that she has for the king. Cool? So she's asleep, but her heart is awake. It's alive in connection towards someone else. We are just singing about this. So she's asleep. Her heart is awake because of her love, and then all of a sudden, someone comes banging on the door. <laughs> Have y'all ever come home from a long day of work, you're exhausted, you eat dinner, you do your whole nighttime thing, you get in bed, it takes you a minute to like find the perfect comfortable spot, <laughs> and you finally find it, you start dozing off, and then something happens, right? Like I'll tell you, this is what happened to me the other night. I. I went to Costco for the first time. It was the most heavenly experience. It was beautiful. I loved it. I didn't know that my life could be taken to another level because of a grocery store, but it was. So I went to Costco for the first time, and they had these, like, fresh juices. And I absolutely love fresh juice. It's, like, my favorite drink of all time. And so they had these pressed juices, and I bought one. Well, long story short, I started this detox thing and I can't have mint in it. I noticed that it had mint in it. And I was like, someone said, you can just, you can just give it to someone. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna be on the detox forever. So I'm just gonna pop it in the freezer. It'll be fine. And then when I'm done detoxing, I can drink it. And so first of all, I should have shared it, but I didn't. <laughs> so, um, but I put it in the freezer. I went to bed that night, was in like, a beautiful deep sleep. And then all of a sudden, I wake up to this like, boom, psh, boom, psh, like that. And it was, 4th of July had just happened. So at first I thought it was gunshots because that's also pretty normal if you live in the Dallas area. <laughs> I didn't know that gunshots could be white noise, but it can. So at first I thought it was gunshots, but it wasn't gunshots. And then I thought, okay, it's probably firecrackers. Like someone's probably outside shooting off firecrackers, Roman candles, you know, even though it was like four o'clock in the morning, you just don't know people's lives. So I thought, surely that's what's happening, but it woke me up. I convinced myself that it was firecrackers so that I could go back to sleep. And lo and behold, the next morning I opened my freezer, my juice had exploded everywhere. <laughs> and so the sound that I was hearing was my beautiful pressed mint juice all over the freezer. And your girl still hasn't cleaned it out of her freezer, but it's there. <laughs> I threw the juice bottle away, but I need to clean up the juice. But anyways, so <laughs> there are moments where we get in this comfortable spot and then something comes and disrupts our sleep, right? That's what was happening. This fruit juice <laughs> came and disrupted my sleep and woke me up. So she is asleep, goes to sleep in this best place, falling in love, and then all of a sudden, someone's banging at her door. Now, it's not just anyone that's banging at her door. It is the love of her life. The person she literally went to bed thinking about is now at her door knocking, saying, I want to be with you. He is, he is saying, open to me, and like affirming her, being his dove, the perfect one, all of this. He's saying, open to me. You are the one I desire. You are the one I want to be with. Something that we read as we're reading through those verses is that after he calls her all these beautiful names and says all of these sweet things about her and is asking her to open the door, he says, my head is filled with dew. Why is his head filled with dew? 
because he's been walking through the night, through fields, through pastures, to get to where she was. It was no easy thing, but he was determined by his desire for her to get to where she was. And so his head, as he's walking through the pastures, walking through the fields, his feet getting dirty, his hair getting filled with the dew of the night, he comes to her. It, it was no easy thing. It wasn't like they just lived next door to each other or he could take an Uber to her house. He actually had to make his way to her through the darkness, through the night, through the fields. He was driven by desire. If you haven't caught on yet, the king I'm, I'm referring to, we're, he's Jesus. <laughs> and we're the Shulamite. So as I break this story down, I want you to picture that in your mind. We're the Shulamite, the king is the king of kings. Hebrews 12, two says, his example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, that I would be his, he was able to endure the cross. One of the most excruciating pains you could ever endure, he was willing to endure it. Why? Because of his desire to be with me. His desire to be with us. That is why he did it. He was, he was beaten and bruised but he had joy in his heart because he knew I'm coming to find them because I wanna be with them. And that's exactly what we see the king doing here in chapter five. He's coming, my, my hair is dripped with the dew of the night because I have, I have come, I have gone through the fields, I have gone through the pastures to be with you because I desire you. I am driven by desire for you for your heart, for your life, for your everything. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, because I want you. He wants to be with you. He desires to be with you so much so that he would endure one of the worst deaths. This is the love we're talking about. This is the love we were singing about tonight. It's not just words that we're saying that are up here on a screen. It's a heart cry from him and from us to him. He is knocking, he is asking, please let me in. I have come all of this way. I have endured all of this. I want deeper intimacy with you. Please just open the door, let me in. And she's asleep. I believe that there are some of us in this room tonight, maybe just one, who have fallen asleep. You have fallen asleep to the reality of his deep love for you. When we were up here singing these songs about his love, there was so much disconnection because he was knocking, but you've just been asleep. You've fallen asleep to desire. You've fallen asleep to connection to him. But I have good news. He's still knocking. He's still knocking. It's not too late. You're here tonight and he's still knocking. He is still knocking. He still desires to be with you. <laughs> she had to make the decision to open the door though. He wasn't gonna force his way in. She had to meet him there and actually open the door so that he could come. So if we continue reading in verse three, the Shulamite woman says, I responded. So he's knocking, she's asleep. She gets 
interrupted in her sleep. And this was her response. I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? In this, what I'm seeing, what I'm reading here is that she's choosing comfort over intimacy. His desire to be met with her, to be with her, was met with hesitancy. We literally sang this tonight. I was like, this is crazy. God, you want to be with us. And, it's, and we were saying, we won't hesitate. We won't hesitate. But some of us are still choosing comfort over intimacy. How many of us are filled, how many of us would say, you know, like, I'm a person of excuses. Like, I will, thank you, honesty. We, we love honesty in here. <laughs> I know I'm not the only person. I, growing up, the Lord has set me free from a lot. I was a chronic people pleaser, like big time chronic people pleaser. So anytime I would know that I was going to get in trouble or anything like that, I would come up with a million reasons why it wasn't my fault or I shouldn't get in trouble. I, I texted my siblings and I was like, can you guys remember a time when I got in trouble and I would lie and blame it on you? And my baby sister said, there's too many to count, Keisha. <laughs> I'm like, okay, awesome. But I always had plenty of excuses to run to or people to blame. Or I remember I used to nanny my nephews and niece. And I remember my beautiful little teenage niece over here when her mom would ask her to just help take out the trash. And she would go, oh, but mom, it's going to make me throw up. <laughs> it's going to, this smell is, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> it's going to make me throw up. It's going to make me sick to my stomach. So she would like work her way out with an excuse, right? So let's, if we're honest, all of us sometimes meet people's requests with an excuse. I'm also a homebody. And so if I'm already home from work and I'm comfortable, like the work clothes, are gone and my comfy clothes are now on and I've already cooked dinner and I'm just chilling out and you text me and you wanna hang out, it's gonna be a no because, <laughs> and I used to have a lot of excuses but now I just say, no, I'm already home. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. So just like we come up with excuses and that's what was happening here. She was comfortable he was knocking on the door to be with her, looking for deeper intimacy, and she was comfortable. So she started coming up with reasons why she didn't want to open the door. She started coming up with all these excuses, and in a minute, we're going we're gonna to really look at these excuses, because they're very specific. So here she is, lying in bed, woken up by the love of her life. You would think she would just jump out of bed, right? Like this is the person in the last four chapters who has seen her past her flaws. They have fallen in love. She went to bed thinking of him and still there he is knocking. She doesn't just get up and open the door. Like it doesn't, in our mind, it doesn't make sense. Like if this was a rom-com, it would be really bad. <laughs> this is not the kind that I would wanna watch. It's very disappointing. I need all the false stuff, you know? So instead of leaping out of bed, like most of us would do or think we would do, she begins to list out excuses on why she can't get up. She was comfortable. And I really believe that comfort brings counterfeit contentment. Comfort brings counterfeit contentment. What do I mean by that? We get comfortable, and when we get comfortable, we use the Christian term, I'm content. But I'm content. I'm good. I'm chill, you know? So content that we no longer have the drive or see the need to be driven towards deeper intimacy with the Father. We stop pursuing him. We stop spending time with him just because we want to be near him. 
We stop studying the word. We stop reading the word just because we want to be near him. Not because of a religious thing. We just stop reading the word because that desire has now turned into this counterfeit contentment. And to me, contentment, this counterfeit contentment looks like stagnant. Have y'all ever heard the word stagnant before? I'm from small town Oklahoma. And when it's summertime, Sherry, you know, we get lots of stagnant ponds, which means there is just no, nothing flowing anymore. There's no rain that has come in to like help filter it through. It's not going down a river to something else. So it just gets stagnant and it gets really gross and smelly. And I remember being younger and my mom, who's also here tonight, yeah. My beautiful mama. Um, my mom would be like, girls, don't go any closer. <laughs> As we're like running to the pond. And she would tell us, it's stagnant. And we knew that meant we can't go close or we're probably gonna get some type of parasite disease. We're gonna die, basically, if we go near the stagnant pool <laughs> pond. Because something about when something becomes stagnant, it stinks up. You can smell it before you even get to it, and it's not flowing anymore. And something else, you cannot go deep in stagnant water. You don't even want to go in it, but you really can't go deep in it <laughs> because it will affect you. And that, to me, is what comfort does. Comfort leads us to this place of stagnancy in our walk with the Lord. And all of a sudden, we can't go deep. And all of a sudden, the current just isn't flowing. And we feel this disconnection towards him. And we become what we think is contentment, but really, it's comfort. Comfort over intimacy one thing I've heard multiple times from couples who are in a healthy marriage is that you never should stop pursuing one another. You should never stop chasing each other. Once you get comfortable, the pursuit stops. You lose that passion, that intimacy. And now you're just in covenant with someone you love but you don't desire. And some of us are in a covenant tonight with someone we say we love but we don't desire anymore. Because we're choosing comfort over intimacy. Intimacy sometimes takes work. She obviously wants to be with him but the moment he wants to come in close, the moment he wants intimacy, she meets him with hesitancy. In that moment, what she's been longing for, she meets with hesitancy. The third point I put down is don't delay because of the dirty. We're gonna look at these two excuses she threw up. She, she put out there, she yelled to him as he was knocking on the door. The excuses that she lists out that brought hesitancy towards intimacy with him. She took off her robe, should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet, should I get them soiled? In this passage, her robe represents her covering. So she's laying in bed without her covering. And she knows if I get up, I'm gonna be fully seen. I've already taken this off. I'm in a state of exposure. Some of us are hesitant because we don't wanna be fully seen. We don't want to be fully known by him because we think in our mind, not because of him or what he has said or done, but we think in our mind that we have to keep putting on these garments to cover up the places that we don't want him to see. Many of us don't wanna open the door because we're afraid of what he may see. 
so we cover it with shame. We have hurt from the past. We only want him to see us when we're covered. We try to hide what's actually going on. We wanna make sure that if we're approaching him that we're, we're covered up, that we're not fully seen, that we're not fully open. But he wants a wholehearted people. He desires a wholehearted people to come to him. We read that in Jeremiah. It tells us that. So we walk around in all these garments, pushing away from further intimacy because of something we may have done that has now caused shame or condemnation or hurt or guilt or whatever it is. But although exposure can be uncomfortable, it's needed for intimacy and it's needed for growth. I am trying really hard to be the cool plant person. You know, when you go to people's houses and they have plants, in my mind, they're just automatically better humans because (laughs) they have all these plants and it's so nice and cool. And I'm like, you have your life together because you can keep plants alive. I am a plant murderer. I, <laughs> I kill most plants. Even, even one time I had air ferns that literally just need air to live and they died. I don't know what happened, but I'm just really bad with plants. So, however, since moving here, I've kept two plants alive for over a year now. <laughs> moving on up. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm saying, so it's okay. Um, But I have these plants, and I've realized, like, okay, it's time to repot these plants because I've noticed that they're no longer growing anymore because the containers they're in are too small. And so I'm, like, very scared, very, very, very scared because I've kept them alive, and I could probably just keep them in this if I want them to stay at the rate that they're at, like, just stay at the place that they're at. But they're ivies, and I want to be the cool plant person. So I want someone to come over, and I have ivies just, like, thriving around the apartment, you know? And so I decide, okay, I'm just going to do this. I go, I buy bigger pots, I buy new soil, all the things, and thank God for YouTube. I YouTubed a tutorial on how to repot plants because I didn't want to mess it up. And so I was watching it, and part of the process of repotting a plant is when you take it out of the old pot, the smaller pot, to put it in a new pot, you have to expose the roots. So they're all like tangled and knitted together and really tight because they've been grow- they've been trying to grow, but they're really just tangling up around each other because they don't have the space they need to grow. And so you have to expose the roots and start like untangling them and pulling them apart. And then after the exposure, you're able to put them in the soil and they begin to grow deeper and the plant starts to thrive more. Exposure is needed for growth. Exposure is needed to go deeper with someone. There has to be an exposure that happens. One of the reasons why she didn't open the door is because she was exposed. But we need to not be afraid to be fully seen. We need to not be afraid to be fully known. You would not wanna be in a relationship with someone that you barely knew. Some of you all are like, well, I'm kind of at that point and I'm okay with it. (laughs) But we don't want to be in a relationship with someone we don't really know. Surface level. We don't want that. Gen Z doesn't want surface level. Gen Z wants authentic. They want real. But in order for that to happen, an exposure has to take place. You have to be willing to open yourself up. Secondly, her feet were already clean. She said, I already washed my feet. Do I have to dirty them again? To me, as I was reading this, I remembered her job. Y'all remember her job that we talked about at the beginning? She had to work in a vineyard, right? That was what she did out of 
punishment because her siblings didn't like her and they were mad at her. So they put her out in the vineyard. She had to work outside. So she had already washed her feet of the dust, the dirt, the soil, the grapes, the blood from all the cuts. She had already washed off all of that. But to open the door to him, she had to get her feet dirty again, which could have easily been a reminder of the shallow, abusive relationship in her life. It could have easily been a reminder of how others saw her. Not how the person knocking saw her, but what other people saw her as. Someone who was not beautiful, someone who was shunned, someone who was looked down upon. As she already washed that off of her, but to get out of bed and to open the door, her feet had to get dirty again. And to me, that could have been a reminder of the identity that other people placed on her instead of the one that actually wanted to be with her. Does that make sense? So often we hesitate because we don't believe that we're actually worthy of love. Because someone has told you since you were young that you're not worthy of love or that you were a mistake or why are you even here? You have no purpose. You're nobody. We we believe all of these things that people have said about us and so when we get in a room like this where we're talking about a God who desires to be with us, it's hard for us to come close because all we're hearing is what everybody else has said and all of the lies that we have believed. When we are singing about he sent his only begotten under the law for us to be adopted, do you realize you're no longer an orphan, but you've been adopted? You're no longer a slave, you're a friend. To God Almighty, to the King of Kings, you are not the things that people have tried to put you in. You're not in the box that the people have tried to put you in, that your parents have tried to put you in, that friends have tried to put you in, that you put yourself into. All of those lies, the feeling of inadequacy, that's what she was feeling. She felt inadequate. She was not inadequate. He was literally at her door because he wanted to be with her. He wanted to be with her. Not her thinking, well, I'm just in the vineyard working all the time and it's shameful. I'm inadequate. I'm undeserving of a love like this. So she didn't wanna get her feet dirty. She didn't wanna be reminded of that false identity that had been placed on her since she was young by people who say they loved her. We keep reading in verse four, it says, my lover tried to unlatch the door. So at this point he was knocking and then he tried to just one more time, let me try to open the door. And she realizes It says, my heart was thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. As I pulled back the bolt, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. At this point, he's been knocking. I'm sure the knocks were getting louder and louder. And then finally, he was like, let me just see if this door is open because I want to be with her. And when he goes to try to open the door, she realizes. But what's interesting to me is that it says, I jumped up to open the door for my love and my hands dripped with perfume and my fingers dripped with myrrh. So to me, she realizes, of course I wanna be with him, but she gets up and then makes herself presentable before she opens the door. Oh no. We wanna make ourselves presentable first. 
We want to put on a mask. We want to make sure we're saying the right things, we're doing the right things, we're approaching people the right way. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Keep on. It's like the most irritating thing of my life. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> But we do that, we do that. Even with the Lord, she got up and all of a sudden she had perfume and myrrh on her. <laughs> like, you know she was not sleeping with perfume and myrrh, you know? At least I don't think so. I could be wrong. So if you're a theologian and you wanna tell me later, you can. But in my mind, she did not go to sleep like that. But she realized, oh my gosh, it's the king. I wanna be with him. So she like douses herself you know, make sure she smells good, make sure she's presentable. And we catch ourselves doing this to him. We're so scared of the exposure. We're so scared of the dirty. We delay because of that reason. And then all of a sudden we feel like we have to be something in order for him to love us. We have to be something in order for him to come close. We have to be something or someone in order to find true community. But that's not what he wanted. By golly, he just wanted her to open the door. <laughs> that was it. He just wanted deeper intimacy with her. But she felt like she had to put on all this stuff. I don't know if you've ever caught yourself in that place where you were so closed off. And then it, you were so closed off, you didn't realize it. He tried to unlock the door, like he tried to get in, but it was completely locked down, bolted. He could not get in. As hard as he wanted to, he could not. And then she felt like she had to make herself presentable to him. I don't know about you, I've been in that place. I was in ministry for a long time before I came here and I thought I had to be someone. I thought I had to be the perfect person in order to carry the title of a pastor. I thought that I had to say the right thing, act a certain way, dress a certain way, be a certain way. And if I made any mistake, I would catch myself in bed for days, not eating, not going anywhere to punish myself because I probably wasn't being a good pastor. I had so many masks on. This is bad. This is vulnerable, guys. I had so many masks on that I went on this like coffee date with a guy. And you on a coffee date, you're just asking questions. And he asked me what I like to do for fun. <laughs> I, could, I didn't know. And I literally said, I like to color. <laughs> just, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, <laughs> this is so bad because I hate coloring. I hate adult coloring books, you know, the ones with like little things this big that you have to color, that's stupid. And I love you if you love that. But I like to finish what I start and in adult coloring books, they take hours and I will not go to bed unless it's done. And so I remember someone had got me these like grown up, that sounds bad, but it's like coloring books for older people so that you can color them and it's supposed to like relieve your stress. And someone had bought them for me and I hated it. But that's literally the only thing I could think of. And he was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> we never, we didn't go on any other dates after that. But I realized in that moment, like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about who I am. And that's like an example of what it was like in my physical life, but spiritually I had no idea what being a daughter looked like anymore. Because I had started making myself presentable to others and to him. And I had completely lost myself and I didn't even know I was dead until this is, I came here, one of the first times I came here, this is how bad it was. I sat right back there with the, the guy in the like reddish button up shirt and the really cool hair is. And I sat like right there with a friend 
and worship started, all the lights were on, and I was like, well, this is not gonna really bring anyone into closer with the Lord, that all the lights need to be turned off, and there needs to be like the atmosphere set. All the lights were on, and then they started just singing spontaneously, and I was like, okay, this is cool, but when are we all gonna like start singing songs we know together? And they landed on this phrase, and they would not stop singing this phrase for like 30 minutes. They just kept singing it. And I was like, why are we not transitioning? Where is the pastor that's supposed to get up here and transition? I was literally sitting back there like, why do people like this place? I do not understand. I left and my best friend's here. She was with me and I left and I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) That's how bad it was. That's how far away I had let myself become because of masks, because of performance, because of the feeling of inadequacy towards him, because of all of these things. I was trying to make myself so presentable that I had gotten to this place where people are literally in this room like you were tonight up here worshiping and weeping and crying out to God. And I was watching them and I was like, who's gonna stop this in transition? And then Kevin gets up to preach, and I was like, that just broke down every religious thinking that I had. (laughs) But then, the Lord called me here. We had words for a little bit at first. (laughs) So I was like, really? Upper room? (laughs) That's where you want me to go? (laughs) And I had resigned from where I was beautiful house of God, beautiful people who love the Lord. I had just let performance completely take over. And I remember sitting right over there in that third row where the Roigs are. And worship started. And this time, I just wept. I could not stop crying. (laughs) And the Lord all of a sudden began to just break down all of these walls. And it was because I was allowed, I was like completely open to it. I no longer had to have this title. Nobody in here knew who I was. And I was just completely vulnerable and completely open. And he began to awaken this desire inside of me again. And he began to awaken dreams and promises and all of these things that I had forgotten about in those moments when I was in high school and I would go home and lock myself in my room and read Song of Solomon over and over and over and over again because I just desired to be with the one who wanted to be with me. And it had been almost 10 years of that completely closed off because I wanted to be presentable. But once I walked in here with no guard up, nothing holding me back, no care about what anyone thought, my heart began to come alive again. And I began to remember what it was like to be fully alive and to just be a daughter. So she got up and she thought she had to make herself presentable, but what happened when she did? She opened the door and he was no longer there. And I wanna clarify, do not believe that. He, he didn't leave because his desire for her changed. That's not why. I think he left because of the delay, right? He stood there, he knocked, he knocked, he knocked, he knocked, he knocked, he tried to open the door. She was like, I already took off my robe, I don't wanna put it on. I don't wanna get my feet dirty again. You know, she's saying all her things. There was a delay because of the mess, because of the dirt, because of the excuses, all of the things. Verse six continued, and we're gonna close out with this. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. So she opened the door, realized he wasn't there. Her heart sank. She searched for him, but could not find him. I called to him, and there was no reply. The night watchmen found me as they made their rounds. They beat and bruised me and stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. And then she looks at the women and she says, make this promise, O women of Jerusalem, if you find my lover, tell him I am weak, 
with love. The New King James Version says it in this way. If you find my beloved, tell him I am lovesick. Tell him I am lovesick. She realized, I can't live without him. This is the love of my life. Who desires to be with me despite my flaws. She had to be with her love, the one her heart longed for. If the team could come up, that would be great. So she realized this, she can't live without him. She starts going throughout the city in the middle of the night to get to where he was, to try to find him. And then what happens, the watchmen start beating her and they beat her, but she is lovesick. They take off her veil, but she is lovesick. They're telling her, we don't know where he is, but she is lovesick. We see this shift happen. She starts relentlessly pursuing the one her heart desires. Nothing was going to stop her. Nothing could again keep her. Nothing, nothing, nothing could ever again keep her from being with him. She had to find where he was. She had to be with him. Her heart became lovesick for him. There is something that shifts within us when a lovesick cry is awakened in our heart. And we, re we begin to remember the first love moment that we had where we gave him everything, where we said yes to him and we were willing to lay down everything. We were willing to put aside every relationship because he was enough and he was not just enough, he was more than enough. That first encounter you have with him for, with his love that came in and broke down every wall. The moment you surrendered your life to him. The moment you were okay with giving him your mess. The moment you were okay with exposing yourself that you could, so that you could be fully seen and, and know a love that looks past all of that that while I was still a sinner, you died for me anyways. You died for me anyways. When I was lost, when I was trying to be someone that I was not, you died for me anyways. I was the joy set before you. As you were beaten and carrying the very cross that you would be crucified on, you saw my face. It made you smile. That you would go through the pastures and the fields to get to where I was because you just want to be with me. This love sick grown awakened on the inside of her. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter what came her way, what obstacle tried to stop her. She no longer cared what she looked like. She was beaten, she was bruised, her veil was ripped off. One thing was true, she needed to be with him. She had to be with him. tonight that there are those of us in this room that need to be awakened again. We've been asleep. We've been comfortable. The desire to be with our love has gone to this counterfeit, content place. We've lost our passion towards him. Maybe we're afraid of exposure. We're afraid that it could get a little messy. 
we've been wearing masks for way too long. Been trying to be someone that we're not fully. Been living with an orphan mentality. Scared to let him in. But I believe there's an awakening that he wants to do in our hearts. And there's a lovesick cry. There's a lovesick cry that he is looking for a generation that is gonna have a lovesick groan that says no matter what the cost, no matter what the cost, I want to be with you, I love you, I've got to be with my love. It was a year ago in August, Lou Engle was here and he prophesied that out of upper room, there would be Nazarites and Shulamites. Those who are living a life of consecration and those who are living a life with a lovesick cry that would say, I am a laid down lover. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the cost, I don't care the sacrifice. knocking on the door of your heart tonight. We were seeing if you come, I won't hesitate, but there's some of us who have been meeting him with hesitancy. And that's okay. Because like I said, he's still knocking. He's still knocking. If you would just close your eyes Search our hearts. He's longing for deeper intimacy. You're not here by mistake tonight. He wants you to know he loves you. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever lets me in, I will come in and I will commune with them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But whoever opens it, then I will come. He's knocking tonight, but he's waiting for you to open the door. not to show up with excuses, not to show up because with hesitancy because of fear, because you feel inadequate of his love. It's a pure, no strings attached kind of love that he has. So if that's you and you say, I know he's been knocking and I feel like I've been asleep. I feel like I've been comfortable. Or I feel this call to deeper intimacy with him, but I've been hesitant. But tonight I'm willing to say, I want that lovesick cry to be awakened on the inside. I want to be like the Shulamite and go after him no matter the cost because he's worth it. that's you, I just want you to come. I want you to come to this carpet. And I want you out of your own mouth to tell him, God, I open the door. I open the door. I'm tired of being comfortable. Whatever you want from me, I lay it down. Whatever you want from me, I say yes. If you're feeling inadequate, if you're dealing with this identity crisis and this orphan mentality, I believe as you come down here, you're gonna feel the love of a father. The love of a father that wants to be with you no matter what, who died for you when you were still in your mess. And you say, it doesn't matter, I just have to be with 
you can beat me, you can tear the veil off of my head. But my lover was knocking and I have to be with him. I don't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be presentable. It can be messy. Just open your heart to him tonight and just say, yes, I open up. I open up my heart to you. I'm not gonna lead you in a prayer. This is between you and your lover. This is between you and your father. for those who have had walls up, who have masked themselves so much because of the feeling of inadequacy, because this feeling of they don't belong, because of the spirit of performance. God, I pray that right now that your love would come and break down every wall that it would tear off every mask, that we're no longer putting perfume on us, but we're pouring perfume out on your feet. We're breaking ourselves open and pouring perfume and oil at your feet. No more excuses, just intimacy. No more hesitancy, just intimacy with you. Just release your lovesick cry to him. Tell him you want him. Tell him you love him. Because he's here. His love is here. His love never left. His desire for you has not once changed. (laughs) 